Good morning, church. Thank you all for allowing me to come here today and open up God's Word. Uh, would you uh, help me in giving Pastor Richard and the choir and the praise team uh, a hand for an awesome start to a service? And Pastor Richard, we may have to have a church MMA fight for that banana pudding. <laughs> um, thank you again to my brothers and sisters who uh, serve um, in all branches of service. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. At one point in time in these men and women's lives, they signed a blank check. They said, whatever the cost, I will defend the freedom of this country. If it costs me my life, our country will remain free. So they did this. Um, and for what? A free lunch at Texas Roadhouse? No. They did it for duty to country. They did it for themselves. Something they felt that they needed to do. So as we dive in today, we're going to look at what Christians battle, who Christians battle, and the armor that it takes to battle the enemy. Um, 32 years ago, when I joined the Army, they sent me off to basic training. I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, South Florida boy in Missouri, September through February. That was real fun. Um, but upon going through in processing and going on to my, uh, my unit, they gave us a book. It's a soldier's manual of common tasks. We kept it in our cargo pockets at all times. And whenever we stopped and whenever we weren't training, we were to look at this book. This book tells us all the tasks that a soldier needs to know to graduate basic training and to move on in their career in the military. And it didn't just stop there. These tasks were, you were tested on on a yearly basis when you were at your unit. So it was not just a one-time thing. It was a continual process of training and learning. Um, same goes for us as Christians. When we uh, give our life to Christ, we sign that same blank check. We give our life to Christ and say, whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm here for you to, and I'm here to defend the body of Christ. Um, Christians battle spiritually on a daily basis. And if you don't believe that, we can go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. So he's out there. Once you give your life to Christ, he's there. He's ready to pounce on you, and he's ready to take every action he can to keep you from serving in the army of God. Um, while we're serving in the army of God, again, there's three things we're going we're gonna to talk about today. The first thing we're going to talk about is know your enemy. We already seen that it's the devil, and he's preparing to devour us. Secondly, we're going to talk about the armor of God, what it takes to protect a Christian when he's going through a spiritual battle. And thirdly, we're going to look at knowing our support, because we can't do this all on our own. It takes, it takes the army to defeat Satan, just like it takes an army to defeat the enemy. So if you would, open your books to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 10. Verse 10, 
says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So here again, as we get ready to battle, Paul's telling us that we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be saved. We need to know the truths of God. So if you're not saved, why not today? You can't get into the battle if you're not saved. So we will discuss that a little bit further on. But we got to be strong in the Lord. we got to have uh, trust in Him, and we got to know that He has our back. And then put on the whole armor, not just one piece, not just half of it. It's going to take the full armor of God to uh, battle against, against the powers of Satan. Um, and it's not just a frontal attack that's going to come at us. If you look at the, the, the term for, or the definition for wiles, wiles is a method or methodized. So Satan has a method to his madness. He's going to attack us when we least expect us. He's going to, he's going to attack us in the darkness. He's going to attack us from the blind side, wherever he can get in. He's not going to just do it from the front. Um, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle. There again, wrestle. That's a struggle, combat. Here over and over, Paul is saying, be ready, it's coming. So, um, and we're going we're gonna to wrestle against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness. And here, if you look at those, those um, people, as per se, that's actually a ranking system in the army of Satan, in the devil's army. Um, if we look at it in terms of what a military, our military, an army kind of division would look like, you got the devil who is the commander in chief. He's over all of them. But you got the principalities. They're, they're the principal rulers. They got a lot of power. They don't have as much power as Satan, but they've got a lot of power. So they would be like the commander of a base. They're over a whole bunch of different people, and they give orders out to do what they need to do. And then you got the powers. They're a little bit lower. The brigade commanders, they're in charge of less people, but they still got some power to do what they need to do. And then you've got the spiritual host of wickedness. These are kind of like the battalion commanders. In the military, the battalions are job specific. So... If you look at it in this shit, a spiritual host of wickedness are sin-specific. Sin there's, there's angels and demons that are the fallen angels and demons that have specific tasks. They're, they do the specific sins. Um, kind of like I said, like the, the military, the army has, the battalions are the infantry, the engineers, um, the artillery, the tankers. So they're, they're job-specific. They're not in a wide array of stuff. They hit you for certain reasons. In the military, they give us decks of cards. And I said this in the first service. When you're on a mission, there's a lot of downtime in between movements. And the only thing that the, the soldiers and stuff could do 
would be play cards because cards are small enough they can pack, they can move with them. So I don't know if it was their thought process, but the military would give us cards, decks of cards, that had the enemy tanks, had the enemy aircraft, had the, the leaders of the enemy we were fighting that had their pictures on the cards. So while we were playing cards and goofing off, we were actually studying cards to know what to look for. So as we go through this, the Bible is like our smart book and like that deck of cards. It gives us the, the, the ways that Satan's going to attack us. It gives us the, the tools it takes to fight him. And as long as we keep re reading it and we keep going over it, then we can keep picking up on the things. So now that the war is coming, now that the war is coming and how the enemy will attack us, we'll look at some of the equipment or we'll look at the equipment it'll take to, uh, to battling. In verse 13, Paul writes, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not just part of it, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. There it is again, the evil day. The war's coming. It's just when it's going to hit us. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, stand, stand and fight. That's what Christians are called to do against the devil. We're called to stand and fight. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So here Paul's breaking down the, the, the different things that we're going to need, the different parts of the armor. And he's probably using these analogies because he's been locked up with the Roman guards for two years. So he's had time to look at the guards. He's had time to assess their uniforms. He probably even asked questions. What the different things were for. So going back to it, in verse 14, we look to see the we uh, gird our waist with the truth. The girdle or the belt was a thing that the, the soldiers used to help hold up all the loose clothing for when they were on movements and when they were traveling far distances. Um, it was usually made of leather. And it was the base for all the other armor. It was the foundation for all the other armor. Just like it's the foundation for us, the girdle symbolizes the truth of God. If we don't know the truth of God, then how are we going to battle against the enemy? The girdle or the, the gird helps us defend off the attacks of lies and half-truths. It also helps define the Christian's integrity and character. If we have the truth of God in us, our integrity and our character should be enough to help us battle in the worldly things. Secondly, in verse 14, we come across the breastplate of righteousness. This is our faith in God. If we don't have faith in God and His promises, then we don't have nothing to fight with. Um, the breastplate for the soldiers, it was made of leather, bronze, or chainmail, and protects the body front and back from the neck to the thighs, kind of like a flak vest 
a fragmentation vest for the military it, it protects your vital organs um, here we're looking at it for protecting the heart of the soldier righteousness provides a significant defense it gives evidence that we have been made right with God and this righteousness has been given to us by the Holy Spirit it's designed to protect the Christian's heart the seat of our emotions our self-worth and our trust like when Satan tries to convince you that you are not really saved. How many times have we heard that? You're not really saved. You're not doing this. You're not really saved. Um, or when you disappoint, that you're disappointing God. What you're doing is disappointing God. You're not doing enough. And um, you're a poor excuse of a Christian. These things dwell up in your heart, and it makes you question things. So if we have that righteousness, if we have that faith in our God, then we know these are lies. We can defend them off. We can, we can push them aside. Next, in verse 15, we look at the, the shoes. And uh, Christians should be ready to spread the gospel. The military soldiers, the Roman soldiers, use special sandals and shoes that help protect their feet and help them move farther and faster. They also had studs on the bottom of the shoes, which helped them dig in and hold their ground when in a battle. Christians are instructed to go into the world and spread the word of God, during which time you will definitely come into a struggle. God gives us the confidence of divine support, which allows us to stand firm. If we know the word of God, and we study the word of God, and we go out and we preach it to the world, if somebody comes and um, confronts you about it, you got them spikes in your feet that you can stand firm, that you know what you're saying is the truth. Next would be the helmet of salvation. Protecting the, the soldier's heads, it's made of leather and brass, and a good, a good helmet was made that no sword could penetrate. So it would protect the soldier's heads and, and keep them from getting killed. Um, Satan seeks to destroy a believer's assurance of salvation with his weapons of doubt and discouragement. So again, 1 Thessalonians tells us in 5.8, call for believers to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. This is to protect your minds. This is to protect your head, protect your thoughts. With the hope of believers, have complete assurance that God will do all that he has promised. If we don't have that hope, then again, we have nothing. A person without hope of salvation will be easily defeated by the enemy. Nextly, we see the sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive weapon in the arsenal. And it's the word of God. And as you see leading up to this point, everything hinges on the word of God. We, we need to know it so we can attack and we can fight back. The Greek term for sword refers to a small weapon. Roman soldiers used a small double-edged sword for close quarters combat. When we're dealing with Satan, it's not on a long distance range where we can shoot artillery at him. We gotta get up close and we gotta battle him. We need to study God's word in order to know what it says in order to be able to fight. Just like the Army Smart Book, we need to open it every chance we get in order to study it and know all, all of it, not just the basics. So no matter how much training we have and the use of our equipment, we still need to understand we cannot stand alone. 
We need, to, we need a good support system to back this up, back us up. I did this in the first service. Do we have any Air Force guys in here? I was in the Army um, back during Desert Storm. Um, let me go through the verse first. Verse 18 says, Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Here we're seeing air support. This in this sense is not used as another weapon. We're asking for support from God to help us out in our times of battle. As, as well as we're praying for other believers to help them out and help them get through the battles together. Again, we can't do it on our own. We need a support system. Again, like I was saying, I was in the Army and went to Desert Storm back in 1990. We got into country. Iraq had a berm set up along the border. And it was filled, or they said it was filled with 55-gallon drums of nerve agent. And being with a combat engineer unit, our job was to breach obstacles. So we would go and we would breach the berm and clear paths for the tanks and the artillery and everybody to get through. So when we got into country, we were told, if we go into a full-out ground battle, your life is five minutes. That's your life expectancy once we hit the berm. Your life expectancy is five minutes. So we sat there from August till January. And then in January, with the two commanders that we had in country, we had Norman Schwarzkopf and Colin Powell, which were Vietnam veterans and know the ins and outs of what battle is. And they didn't want to see something happen like they did in Vietnam, so they sent out a full-on air attack. They sent out air support. 17 January 1991, they started the air campaign. 23 February 1991, the air campaign was over. So they spent over a month bombing this area. They, threw a, they, they flew 100,000 sorties, which was missions across the border, and dropped 88,500 tons of bombs during this campaign. 24 February, the ground offensive started. We breached the berm. In 100 hours, the ground offensive was done. 27 February, 1991, the war was over. That's when the ceasefire was called. So we had 100 hours on the ground. We drove. I think it was 36 or 38 hours into Iraq before we met any resistance. So with good air support, anything can happen. We need to make sure that we got God on our side and that we're talking to him regularly. We need his support, and we need to support others as we go through this. C.S. Lewis wrote, enemy-occupied territory, that is what the world is. Christianity is a story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a greater campaign of sabotage. So the king has landed, and he came like they, they didn't expect. They expected a big, majestic king to show up and take over the world. 
but he came as a lowly, lowly carpenter and changed the world from, from the ground up. <clears throat> as you prepare to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, don't be intimidated by his influence. Use the full armor of God and stand together with other believers so that you may be able to fight. Again, as I said at the beginning, if you have not made that commitment to serve God, then this armor has no bearing on you. You need to get into the fight, and uh, the only way to do that is change and give your life to Christ. And we can do that right now if you allow me. Would you all bow your heads, please? Lord, if there's one here that don't know you, Lord, today's the day. All i got to do is say one little prayer. And Lord, this prayer goes, Father, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life, change my heart, and change my ways. Lord, I want to be your soldier. I want to fight on your side. Please come and take me and guide me and direct me. We just ask this thing in your name. Amen.